Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. You guys, Jesse Golden is here on the show with me today. And this is a very pinch me moment to have her here as a guest because I've been such a huge fan of hers since I discovered her a few years ago while pregnant and listening to an interview she did that just resonated so hard with me. And later, I've come to find out that we've got so many mutual friends and interests and I'm just so beyond thankful our paths finally crossed. So who is Jessie Golden? Who isn't she is really the question. Jessie is a mother, wife, yoga teacher, holistic health practitioner, author, former model and ballerina and skincare guru. She is a walking advertisement for her amazing skincare line, The Golden Secrets, which you all have to go check out because she embodies exactly what it's all about. She enters the room and just radiates this vibrant light from within and it shines so bright from the inside out. She is truly a golden goddess and it makes so much sense that her last name is Golden because she is gold in human form and goals. Jessie is the exact epitome of what this podcast is all about. She's a badass, beautiful mother that advocates for living a healthy lifestyle and empowers other women to do the same. In today's episode, we discuss Jessie's experience being a young single mother, the benefits of breastfeeding, different modalities to physically feeling your best postpartum, her battle with rheumatoid arthritis, and how she was able to combat it with alternatives to Western medicine. Jessie also opens up about her struggles with IVF and dealing with two miscarriages. We talk about Jessie's skincare routine, her tools she uses to make herself feel the most optimal on a daily basis, her fitness practices, and so much more. Jessie is so multifaceted and basically a walking encyclopedia when it comes to all things holistic health. She has so much value to offer to the world, and I feel like this episode only covered a small fraction of what we could have talked about. I'm sure you all will feel inclined to go look her up immediately after you listen. And when you do, you're going to find so much information that you'll be able to draw inspiration from and incorporate into your own life. I can't say enough good things about this incredible warrior, goddess of a woman. So with that, please welcome Jesse Golden to the MILF Bod Podcast. All right, you guys, calling all creatives of LA or anyone traveling to the LA area in need of an event space, photo studio, content location, video space, production services, or grip services. Issue Studio is a unique photo, video, and event space, and Issue offers full-service production in an exclusive, intimate, and private boutique environment. The space is so beautifully curated, you guys, and I can't tell you how many shoots I've done at Issue that have turned out to be some of my favorite shoots to date. Not to mention a bunch of amazing events I've attended over the years where the studio gets completely transformed into the best atmosphere for the perfect party. Also, you guys, the wallpaper in the makeup room is absolutely iconic and it's perfect for the Instagram feed. So 
I highly recommend Issue Studio for any brand or any influencer looking to elevate their image. It is seriously the most beautiful studio I've ever shot at. And I've shot at a lot of studios here in LA and it's just so clean. It's centrally located. There's a huge parking lot, which is huge here in LA. So go check it out at issuephotostudio.com to find more details about how you can book this amazing space for your next photo shoot, video production, content creation, party, event, whatever it is that any of you creatives need here in LA, Issue Studio has got you. So go check it out. Hello, Jesse. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. This is such an honor because I just feel like you're the exact epitome of what this podcast stands for. I mean, <laughs> you're an amazing mama. You're beautiful. You are such a powerhouse in the wellness space. So I just feel like there's so many topics that I want to cover today. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here and driving here to be here in person, which is so much better for me. I love interviewing (laughs) in person. I heard this thing when you do therapy, like via Zoom, it's almost like doing therapy with a condom on. And I feel the same (laughs) way when I interview people. (laughs) That's a funny analogy. I get it. Yeah, it's just not the same because you don't have that human interaction connection. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I told my husband what I was doing today. And he was like, oh, that's so funny. I was like, honey, I still got it. I'm doing the MILF podcast. Of course. <laughs> you are a MILF. You're, you're the poster woman that's for MILF. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. It comes so full circle because I first found out about you from listening to you on The Skinny Confidential because mm. I'm a huge fan of their show. Mm-hmm. And I was actually pregnant at the time that I listened Aww. to your episode. And it just resonated with me so much because I love the quote that you said, your mom told you, all you need is a boob in your purse and you're good to go. And that stuck with me. And then also when you were just telling Lauren, because Lauren was asking you like some tips on, you know, how to lose weight postpartum. Mm. And you just said, you have to be patient with yourself. And you were like, It takes essentially a year to grow this human inside your body. You have to give yourself at least that much time to feel like you're back to your normal self. So it was very special and it hit home. Like I listened to that episode so many times. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. And then I would, you know, go out with my huge pregnant belly and sit in the sun. Yeah. And do my little yoni (laughs) bath. I love it. I was like, oh I am Jesse Golden. That is the just best. Channeling. Oh, that's yeah. so good. You just have so much value to provide to mm-hmm. the world. And so, yeah, there's a lot to cover. So talk to me a little bit about what your childhood was like um, mm. growing up, because I feel like your mom probably is a huge influence on you. It sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, talk about a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she's the OG. She was a dance teacher. She did everything, though. I mean, she had a dance studio for 42 years, and she was a model for, like, Capizio. She was, like, the first Capizio, like, fishnet model. And she ended up being a single mom. But I just looked up to her so much because she was so strong and so independent. Yeah. 
And when I would explain people to my mom, it's like her nails were always done. She would drill diamonds into the tips of her nails, like in the 80s. What? And like, she just always looked put together. Like she's ruled by Venus. Wow. But she was like such a gangster. Yeah. She had her own business. She had 15 employees. She was running, you know, a thousand students at her studio. But dinner was always on the table and like she would go fishing and catch a fish and fillet the fish. Like she was just so multifaceted. And the best part, like looking back when I think about how I was raised by her, it was tough because she expected me to be, I mean, she was my dance teacher and my mom. So there was a lot of criticism to be perfect, but bless her heart. Like that's just how you grow up in the dance studio. You judge everything, you know? Yeah, it's pretty harsh, huh? It's a super harsh environment. But at home, what I looked at, looking back on, is I never heard her talk bad about herself. And I think that made a huge impact on me. She Mm -hmm. always, like, loved doing her beauty rituals. She took care of herself. She was always fit and gorgeous and dressed well. And I think that made a huge impact on me. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean— Overall, though, my childhood was super chaotic. She remarried like five times to (laughs) men that were 20 years younger than her and involved in drugs and alcohol. So there was a lot of chaos going on. But I had dance was like my stability. That's where I like was able to, I always say, transmute like all the trauma that I was going through. Yeah. And then um, I also did childhood modeling that I I really rejected because my schedule was already so full with dance. And I was like, here's like another thing that's going to take me away from just being with my friends. Yeah. So long story short, when I was 17, I went to Florida on spring break Mm -hmm. and I never came home. (gasps) Oh my God. My mom like lost (laughs) her mother's worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) Like now, you know, my son is 19 and I joke, I'm like, I don't think he's ever leaving home. So I think that means I did good at parenting, but also (laughs) you need to go explore. No, but I was just, I'm out of here. I really fell in love with Florida, the sunshine and surfers and and reggae music. And I was like, this is the life. Like, I mean, I'm sure you get it from being from Maine. It's like when you first go to an environment like that, you're like, oh my gosh, I noticed that the sun like made me happy and I just fell in love and I was like, I'm just going to figure out how to take care of myself. And I've been on my own ever since. I left when I was 17 and then that was it. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's kind of similar to my story. But you and your mom have remained close though, right? We've always kind of butt heads a little bit, but in general, we've had a good relationship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you lived in Florida when you were 17 or 17? 17. Okay. And then how did you make your way to Cali? Yeah. So I started modeling in South Beach. I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to pay my bills. Yeah. I hated modeling. I just thought it was so superficial and I hated being judged on the way I looked. I know. It's a very harsh industry. Yeah. I was used to being judged like as a dancer. Yeah. Because ballet is very much like that, right? Is it ballet that you mostly did or all kinds of things? Mostly ballet. Ballet was my favorite for sure. But it's like, at least with something like that, you can work on it. Right. And if you're just being judged on your looks, it's like... It's like, well, I can't change this. And the industry was still so 
sketchy. I mean, oh, oh yeah. God, I was. It's you know, changed a lot. It's since changed then. so much. There was no protection. I mean, I was 17, 18, just going on like go sees to like weird guys' houses. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know God. what I mean? Yeah. So I figured out really quick. But at the same time, it allowed me freedom, which I never really had in my life. And I could just like, you know, be a sun worshiper and like a sand turtle, I used to say, and just like work once a week. So I was like, I'm definitely going to do this. Yeah. And then, you know, I learned really quickly that like South Beach kind of has a season. And I was like, well, I need to work all the time. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, you need to go to California. Yeah. So I eventually made my way out here. I think I was 20 and then just started modeling full time. And yeah. it was always kind of like a love-hate relationship. I didn't really like playing the game. (laughs) It is a game. It's very much a game. And it's so unpredictable too. But it can be extremely lucrative. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you'll go a month without working and Mm -hmm. then some months you'll work every single day. So at least that's how it is for me. But that's good that you are able to make a living off of it because, I mean… Amazing. I'm so yeah. grateful for right for all the work. And I'm sure it opened a lot of doors and introduced you to a lot of great people and exposed you to for a lot sure. of great things. But it is a very cutthroat industry. Yeah. So when you made your way to Cali, then you got pregnant when you were, how old were you? I was 25. 25? Okay. Yeah. And it was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. I met this hot Hawaiian model. Yep. That'll do it. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) And uh, three months later, I was like, "Um, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh. Only three months later? Three months later. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it's so crazy like how the brain switches because I literally remember the week before I found out I was pregnant, I was smoking a cigarette. I think I was drunk. <laughs> yep. And I was like, I ain't having any kids like anytime soon. <laughs> like, I don't know. I said something like ridiculous. And I like remembered that statement. And yeah. then, man, I went to the doctor for like a regular checkup and they had me pee and check whatever. And then the, the doctor came in and he's like, literally said, congratulations, Jesse, you're having yourself a baby. And I was like, wait, What? Oh my gosh. Like, just like lost my mind. I was like so dumbfounded. Yeah. I had no idea. And I obviously called Kaleo's dad and I said, you know, you need to come over and talk. And he was so excited in the beginning. He was from Hawaii. You, you've lived in Hawaii. So yeah. <laughs> just like the general, like, aloha smile, like everything's cool. <laughs> like, this All is awesome. Time. And I was yeah. like, does he understand what this means? Like he was so joyful. That How it, old was he at the time? We were the same age. Okay. So both very young. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's just Hawaiian culture, but like the family was like, okay, like get married. And like, it's very much a Hawaiian thing. Yes. Yeah. No big deal. No yeah. big deal. And I was like, let's just chill on the marriage. Mm-hmm. Let's have the baby first. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just Good hang call. on a second. So very quickly, the motherly instinct tuned in and and my entire life changed. Like I say that I did not come into my own until I became a mom. I feel the same way. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. It's such a beautiful gift that it gives you that you never knew was coming. Yeah. I think it just makes you step into your womanhood and your confidence. And because Mm. you have this little child that you love and adore so much, it's like, all the other things fall to the wayside and you just realize like this 
is my priority now. Like, I don't have to care about all of this other dumb shit that I was worrying about before. Like, why was I putting so much stress and emphasis on all of these other things when this is what matters? So true. Yeah. So what was your pregnancy like with Kaleo? Because I've seen pictures of you pregnant (laughs) and you gained 65 pounds. I did. Yeah. I was a big girl. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you put it though. You were like, I felt really bountiful. and like I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't care about gaining weight or I never cared once. I thought it was all funny. All funny. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. The only time I got concerned was I think around eight months, I had already known that I was going to have a natural birth at home. That was my plan. Yeah. And my midwife was like, why don't you calm down a little bit on the sugar and just, uh, mm. you know, she kind of said something like, you want to have this baby vaginally, right? You know, right. He was getting big and I was like, oh, okay. So I just started walking more. But honestly, I had the ideal pregnancy, the ideal birth. That's great. I was so grateful. I was young and healthy. There was no reason for me not to. Right. But I also had, I gave birth, which is called the Kulsa way. It's like Kundalini yoga and Gurmukh was like, She's now like known as like the yoga pregnancy guru. Oh, um, what's it called? The Kalsa Way. The Kalsa Way. Okay. Yeah. I'll so there was a that. there was a studio here in West Hollywood, and I would go every day, and mm-hmm. it was just such a beautiful support group to be around other pregnant women. Yeah, it was yoga specifically for pregnant women. It taught you how to tune in with yourself and just have a community of women that are going through the same thing that you're going through. Yeah, it's so important. Oh, it was so important. Like just simple things. Like I remember somebody said to me, you know, the first four months, your hormones are like out of control. And somebody said, like, if you don't feel crazy, something's wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. So like just knowing that like it's normal. It's normal to feel yeah. crazy and it's normal for all the weird things that your body goes through. And it was such a beautiful experience. I ended up getting to give birth at home in the water. And it was just so magical. Yeah, it is a magical experience giving birth at home. I am very much an advocate for it. So was that always kind of instilled in you from your mom, do you think? Like, did she have a home birth as well? Or have you always been kind of practicing these holistic ways of when it comes to your health? Like, how did you decide to do a home birth? Because I feel like it's now become a lot more popularized. But even now, still, it's like when you tell somebody that you're going to do a home birth, they're like, what? Yeah. 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 So how did you decide to go down that route? First of all, my mom was very supportive. I was actually born in the hospital, but there was a snowstorm the day before. So her doctor was like, you should come here before because if there's something wrong, you might not be able to get here. But she did have a natural birth. And she was one of the founding members of the La Leche League in 1978, which is like the breastfeeding foundation. Oh my gosh. So she actually breastfed me till I was four. I breastfed Cleo till I was four. But back then it was like, she was an alien. Yeah, because I feel like that's when the formula... That's when the formula boom was coming. So she would actually take me around and teach other women about breastfeeding and that the breast was natural. I mean, she would throw her boob out everywhere just to like prove to people that it was like food. Yeah. You know, so she was really (laughs) on the forefront. So that's how I grew up. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, and there was like pictures of like her breastfeeding me like all over my house, like without her top on. So like that's how I grew up, just thinking that that was normal and natural and beautiful. Mm -hmm. So 
when I got pregnant with Cleo, I was actually still deciding what I was going to do. Am I going to give birth at home? Am I going to give birth in a center? And something crazy happened. I was six months pregnant at Runyon Canyon and a dog tripped me and I fell on my belly. Oh my gosh. And my mom's like, you should go to the hospital and get a stress test and just make sure everything's okay. Yeah. So I went to the Cedar sinai and labor and delivery was full. So they put me in another section. It was complete chaos. Like all these different doctors were coming in, all these different nurses. Everyone was kind of all over the place. After about four hours, they were like, you're starting to go into labor. We need to give you something to stop the contractions. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, I don't feel anything. Oh, my God. And I was like, you talked to my doctor? And they're like, no, we talked to his assistant. And I was like, well, I've never met him. Long story short, I sat with Cleo's dad and I said, I feel like this is all wrong. This doesn't feel right to me. I feel fine. I want to leave. And so I had to sign a paper where they basically already make you feel like you're a horrible mom, denying treatment yeah, and walking away. And I left and I went to my midwife and she's like, you're totally fine. And I was oh. like, oh my gosh, had that been like my labor experience, I would have been so devastated because it was Can just- you imagine? Oh my God. So that made my decision concrete. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm having the baby at home. Like, oh yeah. Crystal clear. Uh, crystal clear. <gasps> so that really helped. Wow. Yeah. So had you stayed at the hospital, what would have happened? I don't know. They wanted to give me, I forgot what it's called to like stop labor, but I wasn't in labor. I was like, wait, what? That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. So long story short, I ended up giving birth on the exact day that I told Cleo to come. <laughs> oh, wow. His birthday was like supposed to be on the 7th. Mm -hmm. And another phase I went through, I was studying Kabbalah, like in the early phases of me being pregnant. Mm -hmm. And my Kabbalah teacher said, tell him to come May 8th. It's a very powerful day. So I just kept telling Kaleo to come May 8th. And that's the day he ended up coming. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. So your midwife, I've heard you talk about her in other interviews that you've done and that she kind of acted as like a second mother to you. That's so nice to have that special connection with your midwife. I mean, I feel the same way about mine too. Mm. So what was giving birth at home like? Walk me through it. Yeah. Well, her name's Davy Karakalsa. She's actually still practicing. A friend of mine is going to use her, I think. She's oh. pregnant right now. Yeah, she's so magical. It was so beautiful. It's so funny. I just found the tape. I thought I lost it for like 10 years. And oh. I just watched it for the first time like two weeks ago. And I was like, this is so wild. Oh, my gosh. Um, but it was so beautiful. My mom was there, Cleo's dad, my dog, my grandma, my midwife, and then I had a doula. And the whole experience when we were playing Israel Kamaka Viva Ole. <laughs> Perfect. And like Satnam Kar, like all these beautiful mantras and candles. And by that time I was naked and stretching and doing belly dancing. and Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. It was six hours of true labor. Mm-hmm. And he was just perfect. Everything oh. was good. Wow. <laughs> it so sounds grateful. so magical. And just it the was. fact that you, you know, had him on the day that you wanted to have him is just like a testament yeah. to how connected you guys are, I'm sure. One of the things, I think Davey taught me this. It might have been Gurmuk, which they have the same philosophy. It's all the Khalsa way. Mm -hmm. Is one of the things that they would have us do while the baby's in the womb 
is obviously talk to the baby, Mm -hmm. but imagine the baby in clear amniotic fluid. And then you tell them every day, head down, back to mommy's belly, chin to your chest. Oh. And you just tell the baby continually every day. So I would visualize Kaleo, head down, back to mommy's belly, chin to your chest. Because when the chin's to the chest and they're turned around, the crown of the head is smaller, so it's easier to give birth. Right. And so they were all about visualizing and communicating. And I do think, you know, that makes a huge impact with the connection with your child. Absolutely. When did your love for yoga come into your life? I actually started when I was 18. So oh yeah, okay. yoga has been a big part of my life. And when I got pregnant, I was still practicing. Gosh, I was doing like Ashtanga, which is like one of the most intense forms of yoga and Hatha yoga. And I was like, I had to like modify everything. I was like, this doesn't feel right. So that's when I found the Golden Bridge at the time with Gurmukh. And it was like specifically for pregnancy. And it was Perfect. a lot of like hip circles and cat-cow. And yeah. they would do these dances with your belly and you would feel so ridiculous. But by the end of nine months, you were just so ready. I'm so sure. into it. And yeah, they would teach you, they gave you tools to prepare for labor. It made the whole process so much easier. I'm going to do that the next time I'm pregnant. Yes. Absolutely. I need to incorporate that because I was talking to my doula the other day and she was saying that there's a direct correlation between really fit women Mm. and having trouble laboring their child because everything's so tight. Mm. And I feel like I was doing the exact opposite. You know, while I was pregnant, I was doing a lot of like Pilates and not reformer Pilates, just mat Pilates and, you know, things like that. But I should have been doing more yoga and more things that were like fluid and opening my hips up and things like that. So next pregnancy. You can do both, but I think it is such a beautiful opportunity. And one of the things that make women so special and unique is like just honoring those different cycles of our lives. Yeah. I mean, even our moon cycle, like in yoga, women don't practice on their moon cycle or the full moon. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, traditionally. Okay. Here it's like everyone right. does it whenever <laughs> they want. But I love honoring those different times, you know, it's, of your body. Yeah. It's very important to be in tune with that too. Yeah. So there's a lot of women out there who want to, you know, lose weight postpartum and it sometimes can be a struggle. And I know that there's so much societal pressure to like bounce back. And I feel like that's a very toxic cultural thing that that I want to steer away from on this podcast. And I think that spreading the message of just being patient with yourself and how important it is, because like you said before, your body takes basically a year to create this life. Mm -hmm. You need to give yourself at least that amount of time to feel normal again. So like postpartum, what are some things that you use to help you feel physically back to normal? Yeah. I mean, I got pregnant unexpectedly, but I was in good shape. I think it really helps to be in the best shape of your life before you get pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. In all ways, like just feeling good and, Mm -hmm. and you know, nowadays, you know, they're saying our environment is so toxic. It's good to detox for six months to a year before you even start trying. Oh, yeah. You know, being at your fittest, I think that helps you bounce back, so to speak. Yeah. But everything moves and gets wider. So like that's going to take like a year. But binding obviously really helped. A lot of people don't realize that until you're pregnant. But 
the uterus is like the shape of your fist and that wraps around the baby. That's what contracts to help the baby come out. So all your organs get pushed to the side. So I don't know about you, but like after Cleo came out, the first time I rolled over, I felt all my organs go. (gasps) And I was like, what? And like, I couldn't not wear my, I think it was a baby babouche at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they still make those, but I wanted to just wrap myself all the time. And that's an old ancient Yeah, they've been doing that for years. Yeah, I think doing that, just having that support, breastfeeding, you burn so many calories. In fact, I found I lost more weight after. I was the smallest I had been about a year after breastfeeding Kaleo. Wow. So I had to like make sure I was getting enough calories. But walking, I mean, I think walking with a newborn is probably the best thing ever because you both want to get out of the house. Yeah, that was my favorite thing. Yeah. And just keeping it simple, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure you're eating nourishing foods and again, just taking time. But breastfeeding has so many benefits outside of, you know, just helping you get back. It's said that if you don't breastfeed for at least three months, your uterus doesn't ever go back to its natural shape, which is the shape of your fist. Right. So simple things like that. And then, of course, the bonding, the oxytocin, it helps with postpartum. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it makes me so sad because I feel like a lot of women don't have support. I had my mom, thank goodness. But even in the hospitals, you can ask for like a nurse support and and oh. and get help. Like I had inverted nipples and Cleo wouldn't latch on. Oh, like a lactation consultant. Yeah, lactation but, consultant. Yeah. So like just getting support because... It can be frustrating <sighs> at first. And it's so vulnerable. Like you're it a is. new mom. You don't know what you're doing. No, not you at all. You feel awful. Yeah. And like everyone's staring at you. There's so much pressure. <laughs> so much pressure. Yeah. So I think just preparing and having that support and allowing the milk to come because that's a whole nother thing. Like Mm -hmm. the only way that I could explain it, except it's not sexual, it's like having an orgasm. So if everyone's staring at you, you can't have an orgasm. (laughs) Exactly. You have to allow the milk to like come down and flow. And if you're stressed out, it's not going to happen. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it, but there's no other like body thing that happens like that. There's nothing. I can't explain it. Yeah. Our bodies are amazing. Truly. Do you still, I mean, because your son is still young. I remember for probably 10 years, if I heard a baby cry, I would get the feeling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Letting you down. I thought that was bullshit. Like there's no no way. It's like, and then, yeah. I would always like grab my boob. Like, yeah. It's so funny. So crazy. Were there things that you were taking to help support your breast milk production Mm -hmm. that you think? Yeah, I did a lot of fennel tea. I think that's when like the yogi teas just came out Mm -hmm. for milk supply. But fennel, is it fennel or fenugreek? Fenugreek. Fenugreek. I took fenugreek at least. Fenugreek. Fenugreek. Yeah, it increases your milk supply 100%. Yeah, it helped a lot. And it makes you smell like maple syrup. It It makes your milk so sweet. Oh, I did taste my yeah. milk a bunch of times and it was very sweet. It was yeah. like, this is literally sugar water. Like, what am yeah. I feeding you, yeah. <laughs> child? There's tricks, you know, there's tricks. Like, that was a big one because I remember I got an ear infection and I took some kind of a antibiotic that I shouldn't have taken and it stopped mm. my milk. Oh, no. And then I did all the things and I was able to get it back. But my mom would always say, it's supply and demand. Yeah. Supply and demand. That's very true. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what it was like being a single mother for as long as you had to be. 
with Kaleo and just like, how did you balance working and supporting the two of you? And I don't know, uh, girl. (laughs) So crazy. I literally cannot even imagine. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Like looking back, I'm just like, oh my gosh. But, you know, I was living in survival mode for a good five years, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about, but I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was 29. And I feel like people are predisposed to certain diseases, Mm -hmm. but I feel like our environment and our life, you know, allows certain things to sneak in. And that was a weak moment for me. For five years, I was living in survival mode. My cortisol levels were super high just because I was trying to do everything. I was trying to- You had to. I had to do everything. And I didn't have family here. So it was just, thank God for modeling. I mean, that's when I really started loving modeling. I modeled my whole pregnancy. Yep. And started modeling with Kaleo right away after. Yeah. And, you know, that's when I was like- not only when you were just talking about how motherhood changes you and how we both came into our own. For me, motherhood, I started loving modeling for the first time in my life. And I would walk into auditions with a different type of confidence. Absolutely. Because it yeah. wasn't about me anymore. No. I learned self-love. I learned so many things about myself for Kaleo. And mm-hmm. yeah, I started working, thank goodness. My midwife said to me, don't worry, honey, babies come with their own bank accounts. <laughs> and, and that like stuck with me. That's so funny. Yeah. And I was like, she's so right. Because most people, it's like fear-based. You know, your life's over. You're a single mom. You're going to be a mess. It is. Yeah. And somehow, thank goodness. And I think a lot of it had to do with the people I surrounded myself with at the yoga studio. Everybody was feeding me like beautiful things like that. Oh. And I believed them. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So I started booking work and we're so lucky with modeling. It's like I was working once a week and I would take Claire with me on auditions or, I mean, most of the time, I mean, this was back in the day when so many auditions were on site and you would walk into a room and 10 of the people would be your friends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every one of my girlfriends can tell you a Kaleo story. I would be like, can you watch Kaleo so I can go audition? Oh my gosh. That is (laughs) so sweet. Yeah. So it was a lot of that. Yeah. You know, you just made do with what you you had. You just make it work. And it's almost like labor. Like I don't remember any of the bad stuff. I just remember the outcome. And like when I think about being a single mom, yeah, it was tough. And like, There was times where I didn't know how I was going to like pay for things and who was going to watch Kaleo and I was trying to book jobs and then I would get anxiety who was going to watch him while I was booking a job or having to pump in some weird bathroom, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I know I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, so there was like a lot, but like at the end of the day, I'm like… It all turned out fine. I love being a mom. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. And you are super resilient. I think just women in general are so resilient and we just make it work. We make make it it happen. And we're very good at multitasking. And it sounds like you had to do a lot of that. Yes. Not saying that it's healthy. I mean, I think that's probably why I got sick, but it's fine. It's all part of the journey. Very inspiring Um, for any single mothers out there. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it. It's hard in the moment, but I think when you look back on it, you can be so proud of yourself and you've learned so much along the way, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
All right, my MILF fam, as you all know, I'm always looking for ways to aid in becoming the most optimal version of myself mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And one of the things I do to support myself in doing this is by taking my vitamins every single day. And I know it can be overwhelming sometimes with all of the supplement brands out there, but one brand that I've been a huge fan of for years now is Wealthy. Two products I absolutely love by them is the Her and the Sweat. And they just recently sent me the Vision Gummies, which I am so excited to try and see the results from. Get it? See the results from the Vision Gummies? Which I think is so cool that they are pioneering advocacy for vision health because, you know, we're always looking at our screens every day. And it's something that I think a lot of people just put on the back burner and dismiss. But the HER is a great way for women to get their daily dose of biotin, vitamins A, B, C, D, E, calcium, hyaluronic acid, magnesium, and selenium. Just all of the great things that us women need and are probably lacking and it's all in one. And then the sweat is something I like to take before a workout to just help enhance my burn with the natural caffeine. And there's also dandelion root in there to help with my metabolism and digestion. The quality of these supplements are just next level. And I'm telling you, you have to go check them out. If you use the code MILFBOD, you get 25% off your first order when you go check out at imwealthy.com. That's code MILFBOD, M-I-L-F-B-O-D at checkout at imwealthy, I-M-W-E-L-L-T-H-Y.com to get 25% off your first order. Enjoy, everybody. So now let's, you know, get into your rheumatoid arthritis yeah. journey. I know that that was kind of like the next chapter in your life because mm. I don't know if it was caused from all the stress that you were undergoing, being a single mother and all of this pressure. I'm sure there's a lot of factors that play into it. So yeah. what happened when you got diagnosed? Yeah. Well, I went undiagnosed for a long time because I think as being a single mom, I always had an excuse as to why I was tired and didn't feel good. Yeah. Are those the symptoms? Like fatigue, but it's like exhaustion. Like even Mm. after 10 hours of sleep, I had exhaustion. I was dropping weight like crazy. Like I said, I was all of a sudden lighter. I've always been the same weight, like Mm -hmm. 125 my entire life. Now I'm probably 135, by the way. (laughs) I haven't weighed (laughs) myself in years. But back in the day, it's like, yeah, I was 135 for like 25 years. Or you know what I mean? Like the same weight. So all of a sudden I was like 120 and then I was 115 and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And like, just my body just felt weird. Like I was having swollen joints, Mm. low grade fever. I would feel like I was getting sick and then it would go away. And this went on for quite a long time. I went to all my doctors, regular checkups, all the doctors. I went to an Ayurvedic practitioner, a homeopathist, regular Western doctor. Not until I ended up in the ER, I thought I tore my Achilles tendon. I was chasing Cleo at the park and my my Achilles, I felt like it popped. It was just the RA, but I ended up in the ER and the woman that was there, her mom had rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think you should go see a rheumatologist. And I was like, what's that? 
no, what is yeah, that? Like, what are you talking so about? Foreign. <laughs> so anyways, she gave me this lady's name and it was like the next week. She's like, yeah, you have the RA factor and there's no cure and you need to go on medication right away uh, to oh. stop the progression of damage. And you're more likely to go into remission if we treat it aggressively. And I was just like, my head was spinning. I mean, pre that I had never had anything wrong with me. I really felt bulletproof. Mm -hmm. I felt like the epitome of health. I've been in the holistic world my whole life. You've been practicing a lot of things that are now kind of like at the forefront of popularity. But yeah. back then, I mean, even 10 years ago, it wasn't like well known, some of the stuff that you were doing. Yeah, I was doing all the things that, yeah. you know, people would come to me and be like, well, what are you doing now? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it was a complete shock. And I hadn't even really taken like Tylenol or over-the-counter drugs. Like I wasn't a big fan of drugs. Yeah. And here she was wanting to put me on methotrexate, which is a form of chemo. Oh, and my God. I was just like, what the heck is going on? But there was so much fear. Yeah, I'm that sure. I just, I did what she said. And I gave it a couple months. And then the side effects of the drugs kind of started blurring the line between that and the disease. Mm. And I was like, what is going on right now? Like, What were some of the side effects? Oh my gosh. Methotrexate, the biggest one is, well, I was fatigued and tired because it basically shuts your immune system down. Mm -hmm. So it was like too much. And then like, even if you touched me, I would bruise. I was losing my hair. Oh lost my a lot gosh. of hair. But the biggest one is I was bleeding, like having my period for like weeks Oh. And so this is like common Western practice. And it says on the side effects that that could be a side effect. Mm -hmm. So I tell my doctor and she recommended she put me on the pill to regulate my cycle. And I'm like, that's of exactly, <laughs> that's exactly like, I was like, no, I can't do this. Like if I'm going to have this chronic disease for the rest of my life, I'm going to try everything, you know, that I possibly can. So I stopped all Western medicine and that's when I kind of started this journey of trying to discover the root cause of why this happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I went on this crazy healing diet, hired a macrobiotic chef by the name of Mina Dobik. She had cured herself of stage five ovarian cancer. Wow. And she was only given three months to live and it was like 25 years later. Wow. So I was like, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I mean, now this is pretty more common, but like back then the whole point was to bring my body from acid to alkaline. Mm -hmm. And it's through this macrobiotic diet. It's everything. It's not just diet. I was doing like ginger body scrubs and like cabbage on my knees, almost like, you know, when you get mastitis. And yeah. I was doing that on my joints and drinking different tinctures at different times of the day. My whole life was regimen. And I felt after about three months, like internally and spiritually better than I'd ever felt. Mm. My eyes were clear. My mind was clear. But my body was just, I was 100 pounds. I'm 5'10". Yeah. Oh, wow. I dropped down to 100 pounds. I looked crazy. I could hardly walk. I mean, I didn't walk. I didn't walk for almost a year. Like I would just shuffle. I couldn't bend any of my synovial joints, which are all joints that bend. Oh my gosh. And it was crazy. And I just kept hoping that I would get to the other side. And then finally my family had an intervention and they were like, you should go back to your rheumatologist and just make sure you're okay. Because with rheumatoid arthritis, if the damage progresses, like it could be irreversible. 
So I went back to my doctor and she was like, I've never in my life seen anyone torture themselves (laughs) as much as you've tortured yourself because I was in an extreme amount of pain. I mean, I felt like the Tin Man. I was just, yeah, I couldn't bend anything. And um, she hooked me up to an IV of steroids for an hour. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, all the swelling had gone away and I was able to walk. I started running actually for the first time in my life. And then, you know, that was 16 years ago. And I like to say that I'm thriving despite the disease There's been moments where I've been in complete remission, off all medication. There's been times where I had to go back on medication, but the medication's never been fully great, you know? So it's a constant evolving process. And I think anybody living with a chronic disease or any kind of ailment, the blessing is it keeps you in line. (laughs) It keeps me healthy. Like I have to be on top of everything. Right, you have no other choice. I have no other choice, yeah. So. And just being open and being able to adapt and evolve to like what my body wants. Cause like what worked yesterday might not work today. And yeah. And just being open. Oh my gosh, what a humbling experience. It's constantly humbling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a warrior you are. Yeah. That's oh, crazy. Thank you. So when was it that you started becoming really interested in skincare? Yeah. It's so funny. I was never interested in skincare. <laughs> It's yeah, so funny. I know, me I, I was just like making stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. And you're actually going to like this. So I had been making stuff for myself since high school. Mm-hmm. And people were always like, what's your golden secret? They would kind of say the name like because my last name was Golden. I was going to ask you, is that your actual last it's name? my actual last name. That's so perfect. Yeah. Your name is pretty cool too. Thank you. I was like, girl, <laughs> that's a strong name. But it's like, I mean, you're just like this golden goddess that literally, (laughs) like, it's so perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so it was kind of like an inside joke. Like, what's your golden secret? Mm -hmm. And and I was like, okay, this is something. So I started a blog called A Golden Secrets where I would just share anything and everything that had helped me up to that point, whether it was yoga, motherhood. I was talking about all the things that nobody was talking about with, like, pregnancy and natural birth and breastfeeding and eating the placenta, all that stuff. Is it still up? It's still up. You oh, can search just about anything on my website and a blog will pop up because I transferred everything over. So it's still all there. Anything. Okay. Like I always tell people, you can literally search anything. And <gasps> there will be a blog. Yay. Because I've been writing for like 20 years now. Yeah. That's kind of cool yeah. to have it. Yeah. So I was just making stuff for myself because I've always had like an aversion to fragrances or chemicals. I would get a headache and I just didn't like it. So I was going to the hippie stores and just mixing oils and essential oils, always used essential oils. I loved how they made me feel and I loved using certain oils for certain things to create different moods. So I was making all these products for myself. Steve Shaw. Really? Yes. Uh Said to me honey, why don't you bottle that stuff that everybody is always asking you for? Every time we would go out, he would hear somebody go, what are you wearing? What's that on your skin? What's that scent? Yeah. And I would just be like, ugh, it's like, I don't want to tell anyone. It's my secret. Tell- it's your secret. It's your golden secret. <laughs> yeah. And he's the one. He said, honey, why don't you bottle that stuff? And I, for those of you listening, like I respected Steve. I was yeah. like, he's super successful. He, I was like, really? To give everybody context, we're actually sitting in Steve's old studio right now, now 
Josh, my baby daddy, owns the studio, but it's crazy. The world is so small. Isn't that funny? That's so funny, but I can totally picture him saying that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the dumbest idea. I was like, Steve, I'm not doing that. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should. Because I was still modeling, but I was now a yoga teacher, but I wasn't really teaching. I was also a holistic health practitioner, but I wasn't really practicing. It's like, right. I just became those things because I wanted to learn more for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was in this weird place where I was dedicating all this time to this blog And I was like, I already have the traffic. Right. Maybe I should bottle it. Yeah. So I just bottled the one product and it flew off the shelves. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I just had to kind of teach myself along the way. And then eventually people wanted more and more and more and more. And then next thing I know, I have a whole entire company. And I'm like, how did I get here? Like, what's going on? Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I feel like companies that start off, like somebody starting it out in their kitchen for their own benefit are the ones that completely take off because it's coming from your heart and yeah. it's coming from a personal need. I agree. That's so crazy. And now you've expanded. Was it the face oil that you started with or no? It was it was like a it was a signature blend perfume. It was okay, like a perfume. Um, okay. Now it's like Everybody knows about essential oils, but back then, not many people were talking about it. There was like doTERRA, I don't even think came out yet. It was like you could only get essential oils at like hippie stores and nobody really wore them. Right. So my target audience was like, I want to get the people that are wearing the Chanel and like the toxic perfumes, put it in a beautiful bottle Mm -hmm. and like teach them about using essential oils that like work with your body chemistry and create scents as unique as you. And the formula is actually based on an ancient formula to entice love and romance. Oh. Yeah. So like me and my friends would joke, hence like why Steve too would say everyone was always talking about how you smell. Like we would joke that you need an antidote because it's so powerful. (laughs) Really? So I was like, this is what I'm going to launch first. Like obviously. And then the face oil was second. And then um, one thing after another. Yeah. Yeah. I need to try your lash serum because I can't stop staring at your Oh, I'll send they're you some. They're so long. They are so long. Like you keep you keep looking up and they're literally touching your eyebrows. It's amazing. No, I know. This stuff, it's crazy because I've always had long lashes. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one of the first products I wanted to do. That was one of the first products I created. But I, I was like nervous. It was like oil-based. And I was like, oh, I don't know if people are going to like this. And then I was like nervous about the legalities of putting something on your eyes. So I just, oh, I wasn't yeah. in the place at mm-hmm. that time to do that. And then dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, having been on like methotrexate. And then most recently I've been doing like IVF on and off for the last three years. Oh, okay. I've lost my eyelashes about four times, like completely. Oh my god! And this last time... It was right before I was launching my long lash. Oh, no. And I was freaking out. I literally said to my husband, (laughs) like, I mean, I'm 44 now. And it's like, as you get older, like you hang on to like what you still have. And I'm like, honey, my lashes were all I had left. Stop it. (laughs) And he's like, like, honey, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, I need to start using the long lash like religiously. Like I was punching the clock. Like I was like, you guys, this is legit. So I did my own before and afters, did it religiously for four weeks. And then like, because my tips are blonde, Mm -hmm. you know, so not until I put mascara on and I was putting mascara on and I was like, oh my God, 
They're like the longest they've been in years. They're very long. I can't stop staring at them. I'll get you a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah, I wanted to touch on too. So you're, you're currently doing IVF. Yeah. And I saw on one of your posts that you, you've had a bit of a kind of a rough year. You had hand surgery, right? Or two hand surgeries, right? Yeah. I've been through it. And you've experienced two miscarriages. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. So what has that been like for you? Oh, oh, my God. Talk about humbling. Yeah. It's actually more than that. And I've never shared this publicly. So everyone's going to get a little treat here. Are you okay with sharing it? Oh, yeah. I'm okay, fine. If you- I'm an open book, you know, with stuff like this, because I really feel like it's important. When I first had a miscarriage, my first miscarriage, which, to be honest with you, never thought would be in my books. Yeah. Didn't even cross my mind because mm-hmm. I had such an easy, Pregnant. carefree experience with Cleo. Right. And the second that I miscarried, I don't care who you are. As a woman, you go into this blame phase at some point. And as soon as that happened, I tapped into one of my closest friends who at that point had experienced five miscarriages. She now has two healthy babies. Wow. And I remember consoling her on her like fourth miscarriage. And just tapping into that energy and like remembering her sharing it with me and how I wanted to console her. And I was able to console myself just like tapping into the energy and power that she had like helped me. You know what I mean? So I think it's so important to share. I don't think it's talked about enough. And I don't want people to feel alone when it does happen to them. But yeah, I mean, my spirit was just rocked. Like I had never really had a major surgery like that as far as my hands go because that was first. Mm-hmm. So actually, no, I had a miscarriage and then I had another miscarriage and they were back to back. Like my husband and I, let, let's start trying. Mm-hmm. And I was 41. Mm-hmm. So I thought uh, we're probably going to have to try for like a year. Right. Just because I had so many friends have kids after me that it took them a long time. Right. We got pregnant the second month. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But then we miscarried. Mm. So I was like, let's get back on the bandwagon. It's okay. And then we got pregnant again the first month right away. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. But then we miscarried. So I'm like, I'm rocked. And I'm like, you know, maybe the universe is saying, why don't you do the hand surgeries first and just Mm -hmm. take a break? Right. So I did... I had to have surgery on both of my hands just from 15, 16 years of rheumatoid arthritis. Basically, the joints had gotten so inflamed and big that the tendons fell off the bone. Oh, my gosh. So I couldn't really open either of my hands. So I did the right hand first. So I was only using my left hand. How long was the recovery? (laughs) A long time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was in like a thing, I don't know, for probably two or three weeks, but then I had to go through physical therapy. I didn't know how to use it, you know? And so I was doing everything with my left hand. I got pretty good with using my left hand and then I did left hand. So it was like just a month of, I'm super independent. And it's like, you don't realize how much you use your hands. Yeah. You rely on them them. a lot. Yeah. So it was like, I had to ask my son and and my husband to like do a lot for me, which was very humbling Mm because I'm so independent. I'm just used to doing things myself. Yeah. So that rocked my soul also because when you go under, it's really hard on the body. I feel like you kind of lose a little bit of like your yin and your chi. Yeah, absolutely. And it just threw my whole body off. So it's like I had to figure my whole self out. 
And then that's when my husband and I decided to try IVF because he was going back to Canada for six months. He mm-hmm. works in Canada half the year. Oh, okay. And I was like, I need to get your sperm <laughs> <laughs> so I can get pregnant yeah. when you're not here. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Because I was like, I don't want to wait. Like my clock's like beyond ticked. <laughs> so we met with an IVF doctor and something that like really got me excited about IVF is nowadays they can like test the embryo to make sure that the embryo is healthy. Wow. Technology has come such a long way. That's amazing. I didn't know that. So that's one of the biggest things like somebody having a baby my age is like your risk for issues go up. So it's like, okay, that's really great. Like to be able to test the embryo to know that it's a healthy embryo. Yeah. So we ended up getting three embryos, which was great, but this is the part that I haven't shared yet. We actually transferred two and they both failed. Mm, so so <laughs> there was a lot going on. Yeah. And uh, now I'm in a place where, and this is what I would love to advocate for women going through IVF is if you do have two miscarriages or two failed transfers, mm-hmm. I highly recommend go seeing a reproductive immunologist which is what I'm seeing now. And I basically figured out that it's been the rheumatoid arthritis the whole time. Yeah. So the rheumatoid arthritis is basically seeing the embryo as a foreign invader and attacking it, which is what rheumatoid arthritis does. It just attacks all your healthy cells. So right now I'm working on bringing my immune system down, my cytokines down, my antibodies down. And even if you don't have an autoimmune disease, there's a lot of women that have like high, like natural killer cells and cytokines that can cause other issues. And unfortunately, a lot of women go through IVF and they do fail transfer and they don't realize that there's other things that you can do. You're right. To like help. So is your, what is the name of the doctor again? I think it's called a reproductive immunologist. There's only six in the United States, which is wild. Wow. Yeah. And my doctor actually works with my regular doctor, like my regular IVF doctor, <laughs> what he's called. Yeah. Works with the other reproductive guy. It's called the Allen Beer Center, if anybody wants to look it up. But they've done amazing work with helping women. And are they saying that it's definitely a possibility that it can happen? Yeah. If I you mean, get things under control with your arthritis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's that's the part that I wish that I would have known is like now my doctor is like, I am not even giving you the go ahead to try until your numbers are where they need to be. Okay. So I wish I would have known that before I did the first two transfers. Right. Yeah. Because I would have had a much higher chance. But my regular IVF doctor, he said, honey, you already have a healthy embryo. And he said, uteruses don't age. So you're fine. He's very calm and reassuring. That's nice. You know, if you look at the statistics, they're super depressing and sad. So I try not to look at them. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in if you're supposed to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. I'm a firm believer in that too. Yeah. You know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And it seems like the love that you and your man have, Devin, right, is his name? Yeah. Yeah. You guys would have a very special baby. Magical I mean, I always wanted to have more kids, but like, especially for him, I I really want him to be able to, I mean, he considers Kaleo his kid, but he jokes because he's like, 
what does he call it? Like reverse dadding. Cause like he started <laughs> like being a dad when Cleo was like 14 or something. Right. So he knows all about the teenage years. Like when his friends are talking about like uh, the baby like, face. Yeah. The baby face. He's like, I have no idea. Yeah. But like from 14 on, I'm, I got you. Reverse dadding. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Cause every phase brings its challenges. That's for sure. I mean, I can't even imagine. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that Cleo is 19. Oh, Wow. Okay, babe, let's switch gears a little bit and move into the acronym. I want to talk to you about what you do to stay mindful because we got to touch on the MILF, mm, you know? I love that. <laughs> what do you do to stay mindful? I mean, I like to think that I embody mindfulness. You definitely do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've worked at it so long. I think just being a yoga practitioner and just constantly trying to be aware, but I think it's easy to get pulled off these days with social media and just all these external distractions. Things, distractions. So I think staying connected to nature, I like to say being where my feet are. Oh, I like that. Yeah, just being where I am now and speaking from my heart and just being honest and a good person, I think. And just being aware of your of your thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Being present is such a great way to practice being mindful. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, being aware of your thoughts as well. That's one thing that I feel like I'm constantly working on. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a never-ending practice. Yeah, for yeah. sure. How do you listen to your intuition? I try and listen to it by like actually doing what it's telling me to do. <laughs> yeah. And and too, I feel like you're very much an intuitive eater as well. Like that's kind of why I, I added the intuitive aspect into the acronym is because I wanted to advocate for people just like tapping in and listening to your bio individuality and like what works specifically for you. And I feel like you practice that, especially when it comes to your diet. Yeah. So I feel like your intuition has just been at the forefront of your <laughs> whole entire story, your whole entire life. But like yeah. on a daily basis, are you listening to it in what ways? Well, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, I realize when I haven't listened to it, it hasn't been good. Yeah. So I think as you get older or, you know, you just have more experiences, you can just learn to listen to it more and, and trust it and trust it. I feel like everything that I've ever done, everything that I've ever shared, even skincare, it's like, I'm always advocating people to tap into their intuition. Cause like, regardless of what I say, your doctor says, the podcast you're listening to, the book you're reading at the end of the day, you got to check in with yourself, your biofeedback, what your body's telling you and do what works for you, diet, yes. everything. Yeah, I agree. So next, what are some of your lifestyle non-negotiables? I don't know how to narrow it down because I want to know all of the things. Like I want to know your morning routine. Like what does a day in the life look yeah. like for you? Well, I love coffee. Yeah, that's a that's a non-negotiable. <laughs> non-negotiable. Yeah. My morning coffee is my favorite part of the day. Yeah. And you I have a, so a, a, a special recipe for it I too, do. right? Yeah. It's okay. a coffee. Ooh. Yeah. It's a good coffee. Like mm, It's a coffee. My, yeah. My friends come <laughs> over and they're like, even if it's like noon, they're like, can, can you, you make, make me a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what okay. does it consist of? Well, it's got all the good stuff. I put shilajit in there. What's I, that? Shilajit. It's like a mineral 
deep down in the earth. It's got, gosh, I think like 72 different minerals in it. You just put a little bit. It's a powder. I use a powder. powder. There's like one that looks like a tar. For me, it's just too difficult to like get it out of there. Mm-hmm. But it's so good for like balancing all your minerals, which I think minerals run the show. And especially yeah. women, I feel like we need to regulate all that because it helps regulate your hormones. So a little bit of shilajit pearl powder, which is great for the skin, like brightening the skin from within. Mm, collagen. So much. Collagen for sure. On jessiegolden.com, I have like a whole collagen section. Okay. With the ones that I love. Even Organifi makes a good one right now. But Okay. Um, oh, Saturé is a good one too. Saturé. Yeah. Okay. And then ghee. Mm-hmm. And then raw milk. Yep. And maple syrup. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so good. And that's every day for you. It's every day. Oh. Yeah. That's my favorite. Like I'm most productive in the morning. I actually backtrack a little bit. Every other morning, I do my red light on my face. Mm -hmm. So I wake up in the morning. I clean my skin on the days that I do the red light. And then I listen to something. Like lately, I've been listening to Abraham Hicks. She's just like one of my favorites. Oh, okay. Put her on. It's like puts you in such a good mood. Okay. She's just so empowering talking about brain stuff and being able to think in the positive. She's so Mm. helpful with that. And then I have my coffee. And then that's kind of when I check in with work and social media while I'm having my cup of coffee. What are the benefits of red light on your skin? And are you doing it just on your face? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have I mean, I have all kinds of red light, but this one I'm doing just on my face. I mean, I think it helps with anti-aging. I think it helps with inflammation. Okay. I mean, it's good for the mitochondria. There's just so many benefits, like okay. even for your hair. Is it like one of those masks that you wear? Or no, like, what is it? This one is actually, it's so old. They were like one of the OGs. It's called Saluma. It's like the shape of a U. So you can also, I put it on my stomach sometimes. I like that better than the mask. I do have the mask too, but this one, I don't know. I just feel like it's more effective. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then- You know, I try and work out like at some point in the day and I'm outside constantly. Like I love Yoni sunbathing. If if the sun's shining, I get outside. And I'm really aware too, because I'm on the computer a lot. I like to like look far. I think it's really important. We're looking Mm. close all the time. So get outside, let your eyes see the light and look far. Oh, I like that. I think it's really important to keep your vision good. And I think as we age, our eyes get smaller So I just don't like the idea that I'm on a screen all the time. So I try and do things to counteract that. Get upside down, have a yoga swing, you know, just kind of taking a lot of different breaks. I love hiking. But I think like just in basic terms, like non-negotiables, I just know what I like. (laughs) Like there's certain things that I need. Yeah. And I know what I don't like. Like I just don't allow certain people in my life or certain energy and I've got, gotten to a phase where I'm very particular about certain things, but I'm also like still open to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Changing. That's yeah. the perfect like balance and duality that I feel like you harness so beautifully. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What's your fitness routine look like? I alternate. Lately, I've been doing a lot of YouTube stuff at home because it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to leave. I know. I would never (laughs) leave. If that was my home, oh my gosh. Just with weights. Like I'll do like a full body. Like it's like 30 minutes. I've been doing a lot of arms. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like I just notice things. I think especially like women after 35, I think you should start doing heavier weights because it's harder to keep muscle on. Mm -hmm. So I can do like 
30 minutes of, you know, just like a little eight pound weight stuff and just feel so amazing. That's great. And then I do Pilates too. I do ballet, hiking, and I'm stretching pretty much every day. Yeah, your flexibility is wow. I mean, well, the, I love telling people though, I'm not naturally flexible. Oh, okay. That I gives work, me hope. Yes, I work at it, especially with RA. Like people who have RA and see what I can do are just like, what the hell? Because most people with RA, we feel like we're the tin man. That's the yeah. only way I can explain it. We're just very tight. Yeah. So that's why I have to stretch every day to like keep things going. So, I try and put things in my house that encourage that. Like I have like a basket of like foam rollers and yoga mats and yoga blocks and straps and my yoga swing. And like, if you come to my house, there's just like things everywhere. So like when the family and I are watching TV, even my son now, it's so cute. Cause I'm like, oh my God, it's coming full circle. <laughs> he's like, he'll be stretching. And like, Aww. while we're watching TV, like he's stretching with me and like, I don't know. It's, it's just so cool how they yeah. learn by example. Yeah. He's yeah. like doing yoga now. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the cutest. That's great. <laughs> and it's good too. I think that's a good tip to just have things accessible and like yeah. out and ready to use. Mm -hmm. Just rolling like while we're watching TV on my back. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things. Okay. Yeah. I, I need to incorporate more stretching because... I feel like it is a constant practice. And if you stop, like you lose it so quickly. You lose it. Yeah. You have to constantly do it. And I tell my son this. I'm like, if you have a hard time, he's fine. But I'm just saying, if you have a hard time putting your shoes on now. Oh, yeah. Just how wait. are you going to be when you're like 75? Right. Like 76. Like, I want to still be able to like sit down and get up easily. Yeah. From the ground. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just want to keep your body mobile. and Yeah. And your man is very much into working out as well, right? Yeah. Okay. He's, he's a big, strong guy. Yeah. He's a strapping man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, he so, does like a ton of weight stuff, you know. Yeah. But we'll work out together at home sometimes when, oh, when he doesn't nice. go to the gym. And okay. I'll ask him for tips and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My love, one last question. I mean, I feel like you're such a wealth of knowledge. I feel like I've only touched on like a fraction of what I want to touch on, but <laughs> I ask everybody at the end of every episode, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? I was just telling my son this the other day. When I was like first modeling and dancing mm -hmm. when I was younger and I was literally in the epitome of my time, I never felt like I was good enough or pretty enough or, you know, I just didn't have that self-love. Yeah. And looking back now, like if I discover those pictures or videos, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how hard I was on myself. Yeah. So I think just trying to have that self-love. I wish I had the confidence and the self-love when I was younger. So I would tell myself, you know, that you were good enough. And I think when you have that confidence, you're able to like really do what you're supposed to do on this planet and share yourself. Absolutely. In the way that you're supposed to. And, and when you don't, you're, you're not able to do that. So yeah, you hold back. You yeah. Know. 
Yeah. I know. Isn't that funny? I'm sure you look back on pictures and videos and see yourself in your prime. I mean, not that you're not in your prime no, but now. I, but no, like, but like, I'm like, really, Jesse? Like, what were you so insecure about? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. Our, our inner dialogue is crazy. And I think that that's another thing that motherhood has really taught me. And like we were talking about before, it's just like, you know, you would never say this to your child. You would never say this to your best friend. So right. like, why are you saying this to yourself? That's a great check-in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Where can everyone find you, Jesse? Because I feel like you bring so much value to this world. You're such no, a light man. and your skincare products are absolutely amazing. I've been Thanks, using girl. the oil every day oh, and good. the mist. I love the mist oh, too. Good. I haven't tried the face mask yet though. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I haven't I had time. It. Yeah, like, I know. Like, <laughs> and, and it's funny too, because whenever I put on a face mask, Hunter gets so afraid of me. Oh, so I can't be so around. Cute. I can't be around him with sure. a face mask. Yeah. And so I have to find like the perfect time to just sneak away. But yeah, your skincare products are absolutely amazing. Your Instagram is so valuable. Like Thank every you. single post that you share is just like packed with so much information. So yeah, drop all the things. I think Instagram is where I'm most active. Yeah. Jesse Golden. But I'm on, you know, all the things, TikTok. And, oh, good for you. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok yet. I, can't. <laughs> I just can't. So Jesse Golden and The Golden Secrets. Yep. They all have all the things, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. Okay. All the stuff. Perfect. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Such an honor. You are absolutely amazing. Thanks, Everybody girl. go check her out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gained some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILFBODPOD. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.